The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and knelradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Volunteer is someone who helps without wanting anything back. Oh, well, are there any volunteers around here? Absolutely. Take a look up there, Elmo. You see the octopus helping Louise paint the door? Uh-huh. Yeah, we could paint on Louise. <laughs> well, he's doing it without wanting anything back. Oh. That makes him a volunteer. Oh, cool. Well, is there any other volunteer on Sesame Street, Mr. Usher? Well, of course there is. Take a look around. Where? All right, Elmo, you see the penguin? Oh, yeah. Helping Susan with her groceries? Yeah. Right up the stairs. Thank you. Oh. Well, she's doing it without wanting anything back. She's a volunteer. Oh. Well, Elmo wants to be a volunteer, too. Oh, how can Elmo help? Well, I need help saying the word volunteer. Oh, well, well Elmo will help if Elmo doesn't want anything back. <laughs> okay, my friend, and that makes you a volunteer. Oh, yay! <laughs> so let's say it together. Okay. Volunteer. Good morning and welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. This week is Volunteer Appreciation Week, and we want to take the time on the Network Live today to talk a little bit about volunteers and how organizations, nonprofits, churches make it with volunteers because it's uh, kind of difficult for a pastor or for a director to do all of those tasks themselves. And so really the heartbeat of those organizations are uh, volunteers because they're the ones that really take the time to uh, do the work that needs to be done. There's someone that's in charge that's um, giving the direction and and letting people know what needs to be done, but the heart of a servant, the one that is really out there doing the work, the one that shows up early, the one that stays late, the one that cleans the bathroom, the one that <laughs> mops the floor, the one that um, just steps in and fulfills the need of whatever needs to be taken care of that day or that month, that year. So volunteers are vital to organizations like churches or nonprofits. And so this week on the Network Live, uh, we're going to hear a message from Dave Myers, and he is with Royal Oak Victory Church. And he's going to be sharing a little bit from the Bible about um, what it means to be a volunteer and how important volunteers are. We know in ministry how important our volunteers are. And so we want to say thank you to all the volunteers that out there, out there that volunteer in different areas of um, ministry or nonprofits, organizations, just different areas across the board. And just say thank you for having a servant's heart and for helping the vision and the work of different organizations come to completion because you have given of your time to help and to serve. So God bless you for that. Here's that message from Dave. 
Today we're going to be doing something special, and uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be um, celebrating our volunteers. Uh, we have lots of people in our church who volunteer and make what we do possible. And so this is our Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, you know, it was just this past week uh, I woke up to do my morning devotions, and uh, that's my practice, do my devotions, read my Bible in the morning. And uh, I came across something that uh, I, uh, I had never really noticed before, just a little thing out of the uh, Scripture that I was uh, uh, meditating on. Uh, it came out of a portion of Scripture that I've read many times, but uh, it's like that morning God was just sharing something fresh. And how many know the Bible is like that? You know, it's not like a normal book, right? It's not like the Reader's Digest or a Harlequin romance uh, novel. Uh, it's a living. Actually, it says that it's a living word, and because it's a living word, uh, it can speak to us in many ways uh, all through our lives. You can never get bored of reading the Bible because God speaks fresh through it. And so um, I, uh, I came across a, a little truth that I'd never noticed before, and I'd like to share it with you this morning. It comes out of uh, a portion of Scripture in 1 Kings 17. And so if you have your Bibles, um, turn them on or turn them to 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And uh, we're going to pick it up here, uh, here in this verse. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbite in Gilad, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the Lord God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I Give the word. Verse 2, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning, and evening, and he drank from the brook. Okay, and as I said, I've read this portion of Scripture many times, but uh, it was just this past week I was reading it again, and I began to see, to me it's one of the strangest, most uh, peculiar stories in the Bible. And the reason why I say that is because after pronouncing judgment upon King Ahab, God tells Elijah to retreat into the wilderness where he, God, would personally feed and care for for him. And you know what I find so interesting about this story is the way in which God chose to make that provision possible. And of course, we just read it. It says, So Elijah did as the Lord told him. And it says, And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. The ravens. Let's say that word together. R ravens. Say it again. Ravens. The ravens brought him bread and meat. And you know, what I find so uh, interesting about this story uh, is the fact that God would employ the help of ravens to deliver bread and meat. And, um, you know, the reason why I say that's, uh, that's interesting is because if you know anything about ravens, you know that they are not the most giving and gracious creatures on the planet. How many know what I'm talking about? Ravens, crows, and magpies. Right? Not the most gracious creatures on the planet. In fact, I think ravens are one of the greediest, most obnoxious birds in all of God's creation. 
And the reason I say that is because I've had personal experience with that. And maybe some of you have as well. Uh, personal experience that proved this very thing. Ravens are not generally gracious birds. In fact, one of them happened many years ago. Clarice and I were actually on our honeymoon. And uh, we were uh, making our way uh, around Vancouver Island, and we had just arrived to a beautiful, picturesque picnic area. And we thought it would be great to just have a barbecue and watch the sun go down. And so after taking our stuff out of the car, uh, we placed it on the picnic table that was there at the picnic site. And um, because we wanted to barbecue... And they had a little barbecue pit. They also provided wood, and we could see the wood was in a wood bin just down the hill a little ways. And so we went down the hill a little ways to get some wood so we could start a fire so we could barbecue. We had brought some pork chops with us. Some of you are thinking that's funny, but, uh, you know, we were young back then. You eat whatever you want, you know. And so we were going to barbecue some pork chop, enjoy a relaxing evening. And, well, it didn't quite work out that way because we hadn't been gone from the picnic site but, but a few short minutes when all of a sudden um, we turned around. We couldn't believe our eyes uh, because there on the picnic table was a flock of hungry, ravenous ravens picking and ransacking all of our food. I mean, it was a scene right out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It really was. It was like the remake of the birds all over again. And, you know, as soon as we saw them, we started running and shouting like mad to try and scare and shoo them away. And sure enough, as we got closer to the picnic table, they cawed their last cod and took off into the wild blue yonder. The only problem is, is when they flew off, Locked in their greedy, gluttonous, raven claws were our pork chops. They flew off with our pork chops. And so that was it. I mean, no pork chops. And I'll tell you, I thought, man, where's a shotgun when you really need one, you know? Because I felt like blasting those wascally wavens white out of the sky. Not only have some pork chops for dinner, but maybe some roasted raven as the appetizer, you know. That would have been awesome. But, you know, I didn't have a shotgun. I didn't have a slingshot. We didn't have any hand grenades, missile launchers, you know, tanks, heat-sinking missiles, none of that stuff. I mean, there flew our dinner away in their claws. And that's why when I read this story about Elijah and how the ravens didn't come to ransack and steal his meat, but they actually supplied and brought it to him, I couldn't help but think of what an incredible miracle that is. That, that, that God's grace, God's liberality is so transforming, it's so profound that He has the ability to take one of the greediest and self-serving birds in all of creation, a raven, and turn them into benevolent, selfish, generous givers. That's what God did here. That by His Spirit, He can do those things, right? Not only to ravens, but He can do that to us as well. He can do that to us and through us. That God has the ability to turn chronic takers, selfish consumers, greedy, tight-fisted graspers into what I call passionate, joyful, extravagant givers. God 
can do that. And of course, many of you have experienced that very thing in your life. I know I have for sure. That when I crossed the line of faith and gave my heart to Christ, God's Spirit began to work in me in such a way that He took these hands that were mainly, mostly closed off and self-serving, my hands serving myself, and caused them to be far more open and available and extended to people around me. That's what God did to me. He took my time, my money, my resources, which I saw as belonging mostly to me. It belongs to me. I'll use it as I see fit. He took those things, and in a way, He grabbed them as His own possessions to be invested and used in what He willed and what He wanted. That's what happened to me, and that's what happens really whenever God gets a hold of us, that He has the ability to take that stingy, selfish, uncaring, self-seeking nature that is in all of us, break the power that it has in our lives, and then He releases us to be channels of His extravagant generosity and grace. God does that. It happens to the ravens in this story. But, you know, it also shows up in other places in the Bible. It really does. This miracle of liberality shows up in a variety of places. One of them is found in the New Testament, and it happened to a man by the name of Zacchaeus. How many remember the story of Zacchaeus? You know, if you remember it, you'll know that if there was ever a greedy, self-serving person in Scripture, it was this man named Zacchaeus. You say, well, how do you know that? Because Scripture tells us. It says there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become how rich? Very rich. He was very rich. And if any of you are familiar with the way tax collection operated in the New Testament, you know that they got rich by cheating and extorting money from their very own people. That's how they got rich. And it says here that Zacchaeus was so good at it that the Bible lists him as the chief tax collector. In other words, he was the head raven among the whole flock. That's the kind of man he was, grasping, greedy, always wanting for himself. And one day he hears that Jesus was coming into town and being short in stature. And I guess if you want to be politically correct today, you would call Zacchaeus vertically challenged, right? Just to be politically correct, we don't want to rock the boat too much. He was being being vertically challenged. He climbs up into a tree to get a better look at when Jesus is walking by. And you know what I find so ironic is here you have this greedy, miserly, self-serving man. And where do you find him? In a tree. Just like a raven. I don't know, I just was thinking about this all week. There's the key. Waiting to pick at somebody's pork chops. And so there he is sitting in a tree, and uh, suddenly Jesus comes by, and it says that Jesus, it says that he looks up at Zacchaeus, called him by name, Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. That's what Jesus said. Looks at him up in the tree and says, Hey, 
um, uh, I'm coming over to your house for dinner. And those, those of you who are familiar with the story know that immediately Zacchaeus climbed down the tree, went over to his house with Jesus, and, and, and when the meal was finished, look at what happens. It's incredible. This is called transformation. It says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated, if I have cheated... If I have cheated, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. In other words, Zacchaeus was so touched, impacted by the person and ministry of Christ that before his family, before his friends and his guests, he says, I'm not just going to take 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 percent of my wealth, but rather I am going to take 50 percent, a full half of everything that I own, and I'm going to give it to the poor. How many of you know that's extravagant giving? We have no way of knowing. But that's a huge son of money. I mean, the Bible says he was very rich. He takes all his wealth, cuts it in half, and says, I'm going to give this half to the poor. Not only that. I mean, if that wasn't enough, he also says that every person who I've cheated and extorted money out of, and I'm sure it must have been a, a long and extensive list, he says to those people, I'm going to give them back four times as much as I've taken from them. I'll tell you, it's what I call lavish, extravagant, bountiful giving. And the whole reason why it happened is because Zacchaeus was willing to open up his home, open up his heart, open up his life to the person and the ministry of Christ. And I'm telling you, whenever that happens, whenever we do that, open ourselves up to the liberating Spirit of Christ, we become exactly that ourselves, extravagant, liberated givers. The same thing that happened to the ravens, the same thing that happened to Zacchaeus, you know, many of you know, the same thing has happened to you. That in many ways you were self-centered, self-absorbed, using the majority of, of what God had given to you on yourself. As you saw fit. That's how maybe some of you lived your life before you came to Christ. But one day, just like Zacchaeus, you had your very own personal encounter with Jesus. Salvation and grace came into your heart, your home, your life. And as a result, you've never been the same. You've been changed. It's the transforming power of Christ. And rather than being self-serving and self-centered, you are now kingdom-serving and Christ-centered. That's transformation. And rather than being stingy and greedy with your money and your time and your resources, you have turned into extravagant, lavish, generous givers. It's the way you live your life. It's the transformation that happens whenever Christ gets hold of us. And the reason why I say that is because all of us who serve in an area of ministry, and many of you do, you know that that's what it requires. It takes selflessness. That's what it requires. It takes the Spirit of Christ working through us. That's what it takes. I mean, there's a whole lot of very passionate, extravagant giving and serving. And you know, every time I look into the eyes of a, of a child who's given their heart to Christ, has received Him as, as their Lord, 
you know, I just say, you know, this wouldn't happen. This thing that I'm looking at, this child I'm looking at right now wouldn't happen if it wasn't for all of you. It wouldn't. And, you know, every time I see a marriage that uh, is shipwrecked and falling apart, find grace and help and, and the power to heal, I say thank all of you because that wouldn't happen if you didn't follow what God has called you to do. It just wouldn't happen. Every time I meet a young person who, uh, who at one time was only interested in themselves and pleasing and living for themselves, now wanting to passionately go all out for Jesus, every time I see that, I say, wow, you know, w- that would not happen if it wasn't for all of you. And so every time I see a family built stronger and a heart made wholer, Every time I see uh, uh, lives given fresh purpose and meaning, every time I see that, I say, wow, you know, thank you. Thank you. Because, because that's what church is all about. And uh, we just could not see the miracle of those things take place if it wasn't for all of you. We couldn't. You know, as many of you know, I have two lovely granddaughters. Uh, my oldest granddaughter, her name is Aloya. We call her Lolo. Last month, um, that uh, Lolo, my eldest, came running into my office. It was on a Sunday. And sometimes she'll do that. Uh, I'll be in my office in between the services. And uh, she came running in. And um, she just stood there. And when I knelt, I said hi, and I knelt down to talk to her. And as I was chatting with her, she seemed so distracted. Right? She seemed looking around. And she didn't seem to want to connect. I was asking her questions. She wasn't answering them. And then finally she looked at me and said, Papa, can I leave now? And I have a feeling maybe her parents made her come say hi to Papa. (laughs) Papa, can I leave now? And I said, well, where do you want to go? And as soon as I said it, her eyes got all big and wide and a smile came on her face and she yelled out, Sunday school! And I said, yeah, of course you can go. And she just beelined out of my office, ran to her MPK class. I mean, she loves what happens here in our children's ministry. She loves it. I mean, it's a highlight for her, the connection. and You know, just the fact that she's celebrated and, um, you know, the fun stuff that goes on and, and the fact that she learns about Christ. I mean, she loves it. And, of course, that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for all of you who have chosen to use your time, your treasure, your talent, not on yourself. The Spirit of Christ has come upon you and you say, man, I want to be a blessing beyond myself. I want to bless others.
You may not know me now. And then he said, but wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. One day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I have a life that was shared. Somehow touched by your generosity, little things that you had done, sacrifices made. I noticed on the earth, in heaven, now proclaimed, and I know up in heaven. You're not supposed to cry, but I am almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, "My child, look around you, for great is your reward." Thank you for giving to the Lord. For I have a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so.
Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the network live, visit knelradio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the network live on Facebook. If you would like more information about being a guest on the Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.